Hi, this is Amanda Justiniani, and I'm so excited to be here with Rick today. We're going to talk about the auction industry. We're going to talk about downsizing, the importance of that, and how it looks for family. What do you say we get started with that? You're listening to Rick Flynn. With a shout out from London Town, it's Rick Flynn Presents... Now, ladies and gentlemen, your MC for the affair, Rick Flynn. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome into another great show with us today. I have had to rehearse our guest's last name. You see what happened is she came up in life as a third generation auctioneer, which I think is fabulous. I've always had the love of auctioneers because of how they speak. And people say, well, Rick, you're an announcer. Rick, you speak well. Well, I do as an announcer, but I've never been an auctioneer and I've never been able to quite grasp how an auctioneer can speak the way they do. And it is my understanding from what I've experienced in my lifetime that auctioneers do indeed go to school. And if they don't, then they've had to go through an apprenticeship somewhere with somebody that knows how to talk that way, because I sure do not. Amanda is our guest. I'm not going to fool around with her last name because she married an Italian. That's her business partner as well. I'm going to call her Amanda G, like as in George, Amanda G. Amanda, come on in here. And for the sake of our listening audience worldwide, will you do the honors of introducing yourself using your last name? <laughs> Absolutely. My last name. First of all, thanks for having me, Rick. But my Absolutely. Name's You're more than welcome. <laughs> my name's Amanda, and my last name is Giustiniani. And if that ain't Italian, I ain't American. Absolutely. It's a mouthful. Boy, isn't that. Say that again, please. The, the name. Giustiniani. Yeah. Now, you almost, I'm going to assume, did not get married because you could not <laughs> pronounce your future <laughs> husband's last name. Is that right? Exactly. I told him I would not marry him until I could spell it. Oh, so, my. Oh, my. So, now, and my maiden name was White. So I went <laughs> from a very short last name to a very long last name. Boy, isn't that the truth. <laughs> And here you would think an experienced announcer all these years would have no problem with that. Giustiani. That is very good. Yes. Yeah. I'm not, but I'm not. Well, I'll tell you this. People talk about discrimination all the time. And I have told this story once before, I think. We were doing a show in Cincinnati. And after the show, it was not uncommon for us to pull into a restaurant that was open late and we'd get some breakfast to eat before we went on and retired for the evening. It was a busy night. So we did that and we walked into the restaurant and there were, well, there were some people, let me just say, they had imbibed earlier in the evening, if you know what I mean. They were hardly what I would call 
um, sober. But this was back before I had the gray hair. This was back when I had the dark hair, very dark brown hair. I think I even had a mustache at the time. And the guy's girlfriend or wife, whoever she was, she said to her husband, she said, oh, I like his suit. And, well, that guy there. And he went on and started hurling a bunch of racial slurs about me pertaining to my being Italian. <laughs> Okay, now listen, my mother was born in Germany. I'm German by blood, okay? Number mm -hmm. two, with a name like O'Flynn, you can very easily <laughs> understand that my dad's side of the family was Irish Catholic. There is not an Italian bone in my body, but I rank high up there of some of the rare citizens that have ever been cursed out by a drunk <laughs> with racial slurs for being Italian, <laughs> even though I am not Italian. I've never been Italian. I never will be. I love pizza. I love spaghetti. <laughs> if you are what you eat, then I'm I'm Italian. Okay. But, but I'm also Chinese, if that's the case, too. So we don't want to <laughs> go there. So I just want you to know, I, I feel your pain as an Italian. I've been treated as such by a drunk in a restaurant years ago but now that my hair is not that dark deep dark brown shade that it was that's never happened again i want you to know and plus it's obvious that as a third generation auctioneer you were doing the auctions and in that business before you even married your husband is that accurate that is very accurate. I have been around this industry for a very long time. I laugh and say that, you know, when I was learning to walk, just like my peers were learning to walk, I was also introduced to depression glass. So, oh, yes, <laughs> yes. Been around this for a very long time. Oh, I used to go to auctions all the time back when, I mean, here in the Midwest, there are, oh, there are auction houses uh, and it's people, at, you know, they love it. The garage sales, the flea markets, the, the mm -hmm. this, the that. And of course, there are auctioneers. And I used to love watching the auctioneers because every one of them, and I've seen men and women, they all have their own style don't they oh yeah definitely you you definitely have your own cadence if you will um it, it's interesting calling which is when you do the act of actually auctioning is my least favorite part of the business but part of it is because i am a third generation auctioneer i laugh and say it would be a lot like michael jordan's daughter playing basketball she might be really good but she's she's not gonna be michael jordan my grandfather my father and my brother for that matter are all just they just have a perfect song it is absolutely beautiful to listen to i am a little bit more regulated and slow i laugh and tell my brother you sell the cheap stuff let me sell the expensive stuff so that they can actually have time to think about it and know what i'm saying <laughs> Um, so calling is probably my least favorite part. Um, in the auction world, there is a job called a ring man. 
And that's the person that stands out front in front of the auctioneer and looks for bids and yells when they find Is that the yes, man? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, that's my favorite part. (laughs) Oh, I'd be, I'd be a good, now there's a part of the business I could do. Yeah, Uh, that's my favorite part. Um, And then he'll go, he'll go, yep, yep, yep. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. That's my favorite part. And you've um, done that millions of times, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, there's not a ton in my area, which is Raleigh, North Carolina, um, the pandemic has changed so much and there's not a ton of live auctions anymore. There's even, you know, there's auctioneers. I know that their family has run a live auction every Saturday for 50 years. And with the pandemic, they switched over to online and they're not going back to live auctions. So um, the industry is definitely changing um, as a whole and, and has changed as a whole. Um, so I think you'll find less and less live auctions as you go right now there are here in cincinnati we do have at least well we have several but there are some live auction houses for example they'll do a live auction every wednesday you've heard of Mm -hmm. this and you Mm -hmm. drop your goods off in advance they'll give you the ticket etc 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 and then they'll open the door of the hall and that's basically what it is instead of a wedding hall it's an auction hall and they mm-hmm. let you in blank amount of time to examine the goods in advance. I'd say probably a couple hours at least in advance. You can mm-hmm. walk around and see what's going to come up and then you know what uh, to bid on. They'll give you your number once you're registered and a number 34 and then you don't even have to tell them your name. You, they'll point to you you're already registered mm-hmm. and you can participate. Is that how you do it down there in North Carolina? That's exactly how it's done. Yep. There's a preview time. You come in, you look, you get registered, um, decide what you want to bid on, and then that that's how it works. You you raise your card or you just get their attention in some fashion. Everyone bids in a very different fashion. Um, some people don't want you to see them bidding. Um, so and they they'll nod their head. Discreetly. Yeah, they'll mm-hmm. nod their head. They'll wink their eye. That Why is that that's that some people don't want you to know they're bidding. Is that to keep the price low or or what is that about? That's because auction is an ego sport. So they don't want the other person to know who they're fighting against. Oftentimes, sometimes you run into a situation where, you know, there's dealers in the room who have stores that are local and they don't want the local people to know they're bidding against them or you know it really is an ego sport they, they just kind of want to be incognito so now if so. that's the case what you just said all right a man has a store in a town but he does not want the local people to know that he's bidding why would not that man send an incognito person mm-hmm. and say look i'll give you two thousand dollars and i don't want you to bid on that item if it goes over two grand but if you can get it for that or less go ahead and bid and people be none the wiser isn't that the way it should be done that's that's the way it should be and you also find a lot of times you know they'll go out of town to buy so there's a lot of people in our area that'll will go north to to buy they'll go to new jersey or maryland or right where they're not they're not known correct 
correct. Um, so it's not always that case as far as a dealer within a small town, but they just, they don't want the people to know that they're bidding on it. Um, and you, you eventually find out if you sit there long enough, you, you can kind of figure out what everyone's bidding style is. Cause there's also people that just hold their card up straight and they don't put their card down until they've won the item. Um, in my opinion, those people pay too much because everyone knows that they are fully invested and they fully want that piece. And then other people start bidding that may or may not be interested in that piece. So there's all different kinds of ways to bid while you're at an auction. Now, what I call that that job you like, I call that guy the the yes man. Because, yep, mm-hmm. yep, yes. What is the real name of what that person is? That person's called a ring man. A ring, R-I-N-G man? That is correct. Oh, a ring, a ring. Not to be confused with what they have in the circus, which is a ring master. Correct. Okay. Ringmaster would be your MC in the circus. Mm-hmm. Ringman in an auction is the guy who's, who's the, I call him the yes man, because that's about all he says. And some get real emotional with it. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, do you get emotional or I or, do? Oh, you do. I'm very, I'm very loud when I do it. Yeah, because it it really can generate the flow for the auctioneer because other people like it as well. It, it's a show. All right so now, I, who is your favorite auctioneer to work with? Your husband? Um, my husband doesn't call bids, so he's he's not an auctioneer. We currently have an auction firm license because we own our business together, so we have to have a firm license. I would say. It's been years since I've called, but when I was calling, it would probably be my dad or my brother. Um, my grandfather just has a very different call because he, his predominant auctioneering was actually a tobacco auctioneer. Mm-hmm. So, um, that is a very different situation. I, I don't know if you're familiar with a tobacco warehouse, but mm-hmm. they are they're about the length of a football field, pretty much. Um, and tobacco back in the day was laid out in rows in this giant warehouse. And he would start at one end of that row or one end of the football field and not stop calling, like not the first time until he got to the end of the row. So in the auction business, we call that singing your song. So he would sing his song from one end of that football field to the other. Um, so his is just different than um, a regular household auctioneer kind of person, which is what I grew up around. There's, However, there's all different kinds of auctions. There's livestock auctions, there's you know household auctions, there's equipment auctions, there's all different kinds. Um, I went to in Iowa. Every- in Iowa, when I was in the hotel room in Iowa, and I've been to Iowa several different times and every time I check in and I get into my hotel I turn on this TV in Iowa and there they are and they're doing that that auction calling and there's cattle walking around beef Mm -hmm. cattle on the screen of the TV with a number and they're selling the whole the whole doggone herd yep it's funny my husband um, grew up in New York City and we live in North Carolina. Um, I've always lived in North Carolina. And when we were dating, my brother was running a livestock auction um, one weekend and he was selling goats because he's a goat farmer. And um, 
we go to one of his goat auctions and and my New York City husband was enthralled. He was just fascinated by all of it. And we're sitting there with the catalog, just looking. And I just took a catalog so I could keep up with kind of where we were as far as a break coming. And he's looking at the catalog and he goes, ooh, can we get that? I was like, you're not buying a goat. What are you going to do? I like that. I love that idea. I think you should have bought some milking goats, Amanda, (laughs) and transported them home. Think of what you'd save on cheese and everything. Come on. Exactly. Now, how about everybody knows that the automotive used car business is Mm -hmm. is handled by auctioneers. I would imagine like tobacco, those used car auctioneers specialize. Am I right? That is correct. They do. Um, Actually, in the state of North Carolina, in every state's auction laws are very different. But in the state of North Carolina, you don't actually have to have a license to sell a car or tobacco. But there are lots of different auto auctioneers and and everyone's just slightly different just in you know the way they call the speed in which they have to call um the cadence you called it a drummer who plays with the military and the and the marines are marching down to the cadence of the drums the rhythm of the drums that rhythm that they're playing is called a cadence so you have a cadence in the auction business. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Everyone's different. And and another interesting fact that, that most people don't know is that when you go to auction school, at least the auction school that I went to, there's very little instruction on your specific call. There's what? most of it. How is, do you learn it? Is it is it apprenticeship? Practice. Yeah, you practice. It's, you just do it. <laughs> uh, now, do I, it. I've never done it, but... My mind tells me, having been to all these auctions over the years, that the first thing, if you're going to learn this business, you're going to have to learn, I don't even know what it's called, but it's, it's what they're saying between their speaking words. Uh-huh. It's, all right, we've got a whole herd of cattle here, blah, 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 blah. who will give yeah. me blank, blank amount, blah, blah, blah. It's whatever that uh, blah, 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 that that would dictate the cadence to me almost. It would. Is there a name for that? Is it? Is that? There's, what do you call there's that? A, there's not a name for that. Um, it's really just finding what is most comfortable for you, and it's different for everyone. Um, so you have to you have to practice so that you feel comfortable and figure out what I call them filler. What your filler is going to sound like? The filler. Um, now that's a good name. Yeah. Yeah. You and, have and to have a good filler or you can never be an auctioneer. Well, you can. So there if you listen to the Sotheby's or the Christie's auctioneers, it's very different. They're just speaking, calling what the bid is, and they're speaking it in a very rhythmic kind of way, but there's not that gibberish on the not the that southern good um, old boy gibberish. Correct. It's it's very, very different. Um, that is more of the auctioneer that I am. Now my brother, my dad and 
um, my grandfather, they're just, they have so much of that filler and, and it just, it sounds really good. Um, they are super fun to listen to. Oh, I like I remember, those filler boys. <laughs> yeah. My, I remember my brother and I were headed to auction school. Um, and we, it was the night that, you know, we had to stand up in front of class and call for the very first time. And, and they had been telling us, you know, make sure you practice, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, okay, let's practice on the way down. And I said, okay, no problem. And he started calling. And when he did, it just fell out of his mouth and it was so beautiful. He's like, we're going to auction these, you know, light poles as we go down. And I was so embarrassed that he just hung me up. I was like, I I can't do this. I can't do that. (laughs) He just... It was so great. Yeah. So um, it's an interesting business to be in. Um, like I said, it, it's changed drastically at this point. Um, my husband and I are conducting nothing but online auctions. And that's working out for families. It's We did a ton of um, tag sales and auctions prior to the pandemic. But with the pandemic, um, we were forced to switch over to nothing but online. And that's working out really well. It's a lot less liability for our clients. It's a lot, um, you know, the, the customer dictating the price and the revenues bringing more than what we would have put on it when we were you know going in and individually pricing items um plus we sell a lot more items on, so would, online versus in person correct so like our one of our last auctions we had like 693 lots and of those 693 lots all but three items sold oh my wow <laughs> yeah so and when we were doing tag sales in someone's home that was unheard of you know you would have at least most of the time you had at least half of it left oh no um, wow yeah, so this is just working out much better for our downsizing and estate clients which is who we service um, now yeah. listen i went to an auction once only one time did i ever see this employed but because there's so many of these and i quote good old boys doing this i'll bet you it's more than the one i I saw, but I swear to you, Amanda, check me out here. You probably know what I'm talking about. There were all kinds of women in the audience making bids on items. When you auction, it's not all men out there. It's women. You know, it could be half and half. It could be more women than men. But this auctioneer, no matter what item it was, no matter what time of the day, night, uh, the gender of the audience was insignificant all right boys i've got a uh item here for say come on boys let's do and and boys this and boy everything was boys the hell with the fact that half the audience was women all right boys let's get it up here come on come on boys what is with this boys when half the audience is women is that just tradition what is going on here it's just a good old boys club. It is as a woman being in this industry, that is something you definitely have to deal with <laughs> all the time. Um, we have to do um, four hours of continuing education every year. It's it's just like a real estate license. We have to take a state board exam and do continuing education and all of that. And used to, at least in North Carolina, there were different locations 
in the state where you could do those continuing education hours. Um, but when you went, when I would go nine times out of 10 in a room of probably two or 300 people, I was one of maybe three women in the whole place. And that's what I ran into. Well, what are you doing here, little lady? And yeah, a lot yeah. of that. So, so now they offer it online and I only do it online because I don't, I don't like to deal with that. But yeah, it's just because, you know, the average age of an auctioneer is, is getting older now. I would think there's not a ton of really young auctioneers years, at least not in my area. And that's just who used to buy at auction all the time. And that's what they, they built their cadence or their song around that. And it's hard to get out of it once you've called that way for years and years and years. Right. Um, Two thirds, three quarters of the audience could be women and you're here calling yeah. it, calling them all boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it all depends on the auction. You know, there are some auctions where it's predominantly women, especially in the antique world. But then when you, you know, an auctioneer will call call any kind of auction. So if he's used to calling at livestock auctions or if he's used to calling at, you know, heavy equipment auctions or something like that, those predominantly are men. So that's kind of what he's used to saying. And it's hard to change that rhythm once you have it. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily malicious, but it, it can be very frustrating. One thing I would say for your audience sake um, is to make sure that they familiarize themselves with the auction that they're in. Because in North Carolina, every auction company has what's called a buyer's premium. And if you've never been to an auction, you don't understand what that is. And that is where there is a premium added to your bid. So there's the hammer price plus your buyer's premium price. And depending on the tax law, there could also be sales tax added onto that. What is the um, premium? What does that mean? Um, it is an additional percentage and it's different everywhere. It and what does it go for? Why, if the car or the, the people piece of furniture, let's say it's selling for $2,000. What would be a typical premium on it? So every auction company is different, but the average premium used to be like 10%. I have noticed in the last five years, that percentage is going up, especially for online auctions. There's some online auctions now you could pay a buyer's premium as high as 28%. Now, is that um, so law? You, is that state law? Or what is that? That is a state law. So you need to understand and and the buyer's premium is set by the auctioneer not the state um so oh, their okay. buyer's premium could be whatever they want it to be so like on my auction um our buyer's premium is 10 percent. i've actually had two auctioneers call me and say i i need you to go up on your percentage you're the lowest buyer's premium in town and i'm like absolutely not I, yeah. I'm not prepared to do that um, just because everyone else is going up. But I would say the average in this area is probably 16% right now. Um, so it's just important as a buyer that you understand that because that could dictate how much you're willing to bid as well, knowing that you have to pay that extra percentage. And then also understanding your what the state tax law is because in North Carolina, that's changed used to. If we sold items from the home, like in the home, that the person lived in, we did not have to charge sales tax at all. But if it was moved to another location, be it a warehouse, a storefront or something like that, then the state would make you charge sales tax on it. Um, but that's different in every state. Right now in North Carolina, you have to charge 
sales tax, regardless of where it is, they have changed that. Um, so it's just important as a buyer that they educate themselves on what's expected um, so that they're not shocked at the end <laughs> when they, they get their bill and they go to check out. Right. Other than to make the auctioneer and the auction company, if you will, more money, what is the purpose of the premium or is that the purpose? That is the purpose. And for us, like our buyer's premium goes, since we're doing nothing but online auctions now, um, ours goes to the software company <laughs> that holds up our website. Um, so because all of those companies charge a percentage of sales, some charge for every bid that you get. Um, so that can be very expensive. So for us, our buyer's premium goes to offset that cost. Um, but every auction company is different. It could go to anything, um, but it, it goes to the auctioneer where Whereas the the hammer price of that item, because most auction companies, it's consignment. The auction company's not getting the full price of that item. They're only getting a percentage of that item. So then that percentage combined with the buyer's premium gives them their, you know, what they're making. Right. Item. Because of the fact that the party that owns that antique furniture, allowing Correct. the auctioneer to auction it, they're, of course, going to get, is there a standard, uh, is it, you know, 30 percent to the auctioneer or is there is is that varying by state it's varying it's varying by region and by state so i would say um, it's definitely gone up in the last 10 years um when i first started in this business it was a solid 15 percent um but you can pay as much as 50 or 55 percent right now and that just kind of depends there's also a lot of companies you find in your higher end auction galleries um they work on a sliding scale so it depends on what the hammer price is so for part of the items that you brought, you could be paying 20% if it was a, a larger ticket item. And then on your cheaper or lower end items, you, you could be paying as much as 40%. So it just kind of depends on the auction house. It, but so it's super important if you're going to consign with an auctioneer that you understand that, that how they're getting paid. So yeah, so that it's, it's variable with each company. Okay. Now how about these auction houses? Like for example, Christie's, Sotheby's. I have a Marilyn Monroe signed print here that she mm -hmm. signed on the movie set of such and such. They are auction houses, I would guess, that specialize in this this memorabilia of, of mm -hmm. show business or, or whatnot. Uh, these are houses that have done this for years and they seem mm -hmm. to be set in that pattern. Is that just a specialty, a niche, if you will, that they've carved out to them? themselves? Well, each one you'll find when those with those larger auction galleries, they have different departments. So there'll be an art department, there'll be a memorabilia department, there'll be a furniture department. And even within furniture, there'll be a mid-century furniture department. There'll be, you know, a Regency department. There'll be all these different um, departments. And those people, the people working within those departments typically have art degrees. Um, they are appraisers. They know exactly what they're looking at. You're going to find um, at a gallery like Christie's, they don't want to look, touch, or talk to you unless your item meets a certain threshold. Typically, that threshold's got to be at least 25000 that they feel like it would bring. And then... 
they kind of go from there. A lot of times you also have to be willing to either send them the item so that they can look at it personally or schedule an appointment and, you know, fly out to take your item so that they can look at it first and decide if they really want to consign it. They are very, very picky. Um, I We have a high-end gallery in our area that's not a Christie's or Sotheby's, but it is indeed a high-end gallery. And at least through our estates, if there's items that I'm questioning, a lot of times I'll broker with that high-end gallery to get those high-end items um, where they should be because that's what's best for my client. Um, and that also works out better for me. So kind of know what your niche is and, and what your customer bases. Right. Um, now, I agree with that. That That's only right. Put it where it belongs. Now, has anybody ever come to you? I would probably guess no. But has a farmer ever come to you and said, I want to sell this herd of cattle like what they do in Iowa? And you say, no, we got to get you somebody that specializes mm-hmm. in that. Or don't they sell cattle in the auctions over there? So they do, but I would never because that's not my specialty and it's not my customer base, which is the most important thing. You want to find the auction company that has a built-in customer base for that. So I would definitely do my due diligence and find a livestock auctioneer within their area if that if someone approached me. I can't say that every auctioneer would do that, but for me... I, I just think finding the right people for those items is the most important thing because that's what's doing. You don't want to do a disservice to your client. And sometimes it's not me. And I tell people that I would love to talk to you. I would love to see what you have. Just understand that I might not be your best fit. And if I'm not, I'm going to let you know what that is. And I find that people respect that. I get more business operating that way because I might not have helped that person, but they know someone that I can help and they tell them to call me. So I just feel like that's the the right thing to do because you you want you know people that have a customer base i get people that reach out to us because we've done this for so long and they say hey i have an aunt that lives in omaha nebraska can can you go to omaha and sell her stuff i just i trust you and i'm like you don't want me to go to omaha i don't have a customer base in omaha so we need to find you a company in omaha that can service your needs that has a built-in customer base Um, okay what am i seeing on tv with this one auction house i i is it the one in Phoenix, Arizona, where they only do cars, but boy, yeah. these are vintage cars, <laughs> and every doggone one of them looks like, even though it's a 65 Mustang or a GTO by Pontiac, and they haven't made Pontiac in years, but every car is in beautiful mint condition. This is a is a vintage car auction, and that's what they specialize in. I bet you people have brought you vintage cars. Would you auction that or would you let a specialist do that? Yeah, for us, we would send it to a specialist again um, because we do estates. We, we specialize in, you know, things that are in people's homes. Um, but for cars, we do regular everyday cars. But for classic cars, we would definitely um, partner with a higher-end gallery that does nothing but that. And that's what you want. You know, those auctions um, that you see on TV, they're curated. That auction company has been finding consigners for probably a year or more before they get that auction together. And they have a following. They have a built-in company customer base that's looking for vintage cars. They know the collectors and what they're looking for. Um, So they are picking cars on purpose. Um, So if that came to me, I would definitely find another resource for them. All right. Very, very well. Well, thank you for being patient with me because 
because I'm fascinated with this auction career, if you will, in the auction business, because I've never been able to, to develop the cadence. And when I go out to Iowa and I hear it in my hotel room, I mean, it is just fantastic. I have seen these guys not in Iowa. I've been in live auctions now, live. I was there. And mm-hmm. I swear to you, Amanda, my right hand to God, this is the truth. The, the item came up for bid in a live auction on the floor. And the auctioneer did not know what the particular item he was holding in his hand was. <laughs> Well, I'm blah, 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 blah. that's the, the the best looking one of those I've seen <laughs> in my lifetime. Now, who will give me this? Blah, 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 blah. Who will give me? And the damn, the damn thing sold, and he didn't know what he was selling. It was the best looking one of those. And I said, my God, this guy's got more BS than Carter has got little liver pills. But you know what? It entertained me. It made me me smile. Now, have you ever sold uh, one of the best looking one of those that you've ever seen before? Absolutely. That's definitely happens, especially when you're doing household auctions, because people have all different kinds of stuff. And, you know, occasionally you come across something and you're like, I'm not 100% sure what this is, but we have to sell it. So, um, And you'll hold it yeah. up. Boys, this is one of the best looking one of those I've ever seen. Yep. And I would rather someone say something like that so you knew he didn't know what he was holding than to just make something up completely right yeah I've, I've been to those as well oh um, yeah so, now yeah. I, there has to be i know you don't want to talk about this and we're not going to dwell upon it but just like these damn excuse my French, used car salesmen, where they allow crookedness, and I'm going to clean that word up. I could call it a lot worse than that, but they allow nefarious terms and business to crop through. Can't a dishonest auctioneer have, for example, stolen merchandise, have uh, merchandise of, of questionable origin, and this ruins it for the honest people. I don't know what to say about it, but isn't there a code? Should there be a code of ethics? And is there one in the auction business? Or are there a lot of crooks in there just like there are in the used car industry? So actually, I would say no, there's not a lot of crooks. There could be a lot of BS happening. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure there's good BS. Um, I've seen it. Exactly. But, you know, the auction industry does have a code of ethics. So we all go to auction school, there is a governing body that governs all of us. So as a consigner, if you have a problem, there is a board that you can go to and say, hey, this is how this went down. Is this is this how this is supposed to be? And I would say that an auction company has less of the stolen goods because as a consigner, you have to, you know, we have to make photocopies of your driver's license. We have to, you know, validate where we are only responsible for where we obtain the merchandise from. Um, Right. So most of the time you find... a crook's not going to want to come and give you all of his information and, and right. all of that kind of stuff. So, so as far as that, you don't really 
have to worry about that as much. Um, I do a ton of education on that because with us being um, in the estate industry, there are tag sales and then there are auctions. And the tag sale industry is not regulated in any capacity. So there's no governing body over that. There's no code of ethics. Um, There's not a standard of practice for a tag sale. That does not mean that if you hire an estate sale company or a tag sale company to liquidate your items that they're going to cheat or rob you. That just means to get into that industry, anyone can do it. With an auction license, like we have to go through a criminal background check and get fingerprinted and all of that kind of stuff. You know, you can't have any felonies on your record. You have to be approved by a board in order to get your license. So you're going to find that a lot less in the auction business because we are trying to maintain our license. We have to keep those licenses. They're not indefinite. So in every industry, there are bad apples. People. (laughs) Exactly. There are bad apples. Exactly. But I I do like the fact that the auction industry is regulated. So our clients have the confidence in knowing that there is a body that is overseeing us, even down to our advertising. Like you can get letters from the auction board just for not including certain things in your your auction um, advertising. So like if I am advertising an estate, I have to say whether whether that estate is a living or a deceased estate. Um, I have to. Oh, you have to say that. You you have to. Um, I have to include the name of the family or say that the family's name is withheld. You have to include your auctioneer's license number, of course, in all of your marketing, whether it's social media or print. There's just a a code of ethics and and a standard practice that we have to adhere to. So I would like to believe that there's a lot less of that. There are some things that could happen within an auction that are, are shady and not necessarily supposed to be happening, but they're not from the consigner standpoint. They're probably more from a buyer's standpoint. Okay, now our younger people that are out there listening are not going to fully grasp this because it has not, like the hammer, hit them on the head yet and said, no, I better learn about this because they're too young. But as you age and we take care of grandma, we take care of grandpa, we take care of the aunts, the uncles, the friends of the family that depend upon somebody that's older and wiser to give them advice. Everyone, as they age, they face the, and I quote, what do you call it, downsizing uh, Mm -hmm. in their life. Nobody, in my opinion, wants to downsize. We would like to remain in perfect health. We would like to remain in our home. And we'd like to have, if you have 30 automobiles in your collection, you would like to have all 30. 30 of them till the day you die. And, you know, Mm -hmm. but that's unfortunately not the way it works in real life. Downsizing occurs. Now, your company and you are an expert in that. What should the public know about downsizing for grandma, grandpa, or even mom and dad when they hit uh, 80s, 90s? It's time to do something. What advice do you give in your specialty of the estate auctions? So the biggest advice I give is, you know, find a professional to work with. Don't go in and start making decisions based on what you feel like is valuable and what you feel like is not valuable. The market changes constantly, even for those of us that are in it. So we are constantly having to pay attention to that. And I meet a lot of families that go in and they 
donate everything in the house except for the furniture or they throw away everything except for the furniture. The furniture's good, but you know, furniture's a lot harder to sell than some of those transactional items within that home. So my biggest advice is just find a professional that you trust to work with, interview at least three people. I can't say that enough, regardless of what you're doing, whether it's a junk caller or an auctioneer or an estate sale company, interview three people. You need a point of reference. Don't just believe the first person that you spoke to. And this is something that we all have to go through at some point. There's a lot of families out there, especially um, in the older generation that are very frustrated because their family's not just taking everything that they have. Um, People that are my father's age, which he's in his 70s, when his grandparents were downsizing, what happened was the families were larger and the amount of stuff was less. So the family just absorbed it. They didn't consider selling any of it. Whereas now, now the families are smaller and there's a lot more stuff. So it's just not practical to think that your family is going to just absorb all of the items that you have in your home. Um, and the homes are larger than they were back in, you know, the 60s or the 30s. Um, so we fill the space we occupy. (laughs) I don't care how big your space is or how small it is. That's just human nature for the most part. And there comes a time where those things either are holding your largest asset, which is your home hostage. So you have to get rid of them because of that. You can't sell your home. So the things that are inside of it have been figured out. But there's also real revenue there. And there's revenue that can go towards, you know, renovations that you need in order to put your home on the market. Or it'll go towards your housing expense, whatever that might look like if you're going to residential care or even if you're just moving into an in-law suite with, you know, your daughter or your son's family. There's real expense there, but there's real money. I tell people all the time, there's cash hiding in your closet and you don't even know it. Um, So, yeah. Well, hence the TV show. What is that um, on on public television uh, with the road show? Yeah, the end. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. With the twins that sell furniture, both of them are pretty knowledgeable on what constitutes Mm -hmm. uh, real antique furniture versus fake they can tell it and mm-hmm. and of course uh, depression glass and this type of thing the average person is not going to have knowledge and the, they may have a busy schedule they may run their own company unrelated to anything to do with depression glass or antiques so i got to get back to work i i don't have a lot of time and they'll yeah. throw something away or give it away that's worth fifty hundred thousand dollars you see it on these shows. Mm -hmm. Do you experience this a lot or is that one in a million times? You know, the really, really, you know, having a a great master's piece of art in your home is definitely a one-off situation, regardless of how you acquired it. But I tell people, you know, even down to your everyday stuff that you're living in, that's real money. So don't don't get in a hurry. Hire someone. We created a company called Liquidation Lifeguards, um, and you can actually go to liquidationlifeguards.com. And that's the whole premise of it, where, you know, we go through red flags to look out for before you hire a company, questions to ask before you hire a company. There's one document that actually gives you the answers. <laughs> These are the answers you should be looking for. And it's just important 
to know that. But I would say, you know, the average person, uh, the average house that that we do has a minimum of $10,000 worth of revenue inside of it. And it's not antique furniture. It's not sterling silver. Um, It's just regular household stuff that other people are willing to acquire, especially the younger generation. They love shopping in that way because they feel like they're making a smaller climate footprint. It's not going to the dump. They're upcycling. They're recycling. Um, so there are people out there that want to buy your items. And, you know, that 20 to 50 to $80 price point over and over and over and over again adds up to real to real revenue for you and your family. So there's no need to just throw it all away. I tell people there's a time to donate and there's a time to throw away, but it's on the back end, not on the front end. Once you've tried to sell it all. Um, and we all live a busy lifestyle. I meet with families that they don't hire a professional on the front end and they've spent the last six, eight or nine months every single weekend at their parents' home trying to, to figure out what to do with this stuff. Um, now, I do believe it's important that before you invite someone into your home that you have gone through your parents' home to see if they hid cash, if they didn't tell you, to see if they hid firearms, to see if they hid jewelry. You were the one that wants to find those things as opposed to a company. Um, And if your parent hid cash, if you found cash in two or three places, continue looking because that was something they did. Um, And it is very apparent. There are lots of families that that happens in. You'll find that most of the time they will hide enough cash to to bury themselves and it's never all in the same place. So it is quite the treasure hunt. And that's something, those are things you want to find as opposed to a stranger, no matter how much you trust them. (laughs) Right. Um, Now you do have not one, you have two websites. You've mentioned one of them and that would be liquidationlifeguards.com. Just like a lifeguard at a swimming pool, liquidationlifeguards.com. And then you have another one, which is pretty simple to remember. It's G as in George, C as in Charles, the number five auctions.com. So it's G C the number five G C five auctions.com. What is that site? So that is our liquidation site where we are helping families in the North Carolina, in the Raleigh, North Carolina market, um, liquidate the contents of their home. So we do multi-consigner auctions we do estate auctions and we ship all over the country. The only thing we don't ship are the larger furniture pieces. People can buy them, but then they have to work out a freight shipper to come pack it up and, and ship it off. But yeah, we, we ship stuff all over the country. Right. You are also on LinkedIn. You are on Facebook. You are on Instagram. For heaven's sake, Amanda, you got the social media covered. Now tell <laughs> everybody, I'm not going to say your last name. Amanda, what is your last name again? Justiniani. Justiniani. Uh, That's yeah, still I not actually, right. I have a funny story about my last name. If you Go ahead. Let's hear it. So if you ask my husband what our last name is, he will say Justiniani. Okay. But his grandmother, who was Italian, would say Giustiniani. So the first time I heard her say it, I was like, oh, wait, no, that's my last name. I like that enunciation better than his because my father, listening to my husband pronounce it as Giustiniani, my, hus- my father would 
say just a nanny. And I'm like, I'm more than just a nanny. I'm not just a nanny. That's not my last name. So I pronounce it like his grandmother would say it, which is Justiniani. Um, and he does both, but I would say most of the time he'll say Justiniani. All right. Now you're a third generation auctioneer. I'm going to assume that your dad was an auctioneer. I'm going to assume that your grandfather, your dad's dad was an mm-hmm. auctioneer. Is that correct? That is correct. And right. then my brother and myself went on to get our auctioneer's license as well. Now, you do not do the cadence and the calling. You're you're more the, uh, what's that yes man called again? The ring man. Oh, you're the ring, <laughs> excuse me, but you're the <laughs> ring man. Okay. Do you do any auctions where, ah, blah, 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 that guy, the auctioneer, or no, you're, you're the ring man? At this point, I am just the ring man. I will hire an auctioneer to call before I will call a whole auction. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah. I've seen, I've seen those, um, those, uh, ring men. I mean, their blood pressure rises when, <laughs> when the, the auction goes and they're getting higher bids than what they thought. And, yep, yep, yep. And you could just like see them hooked on the chart and, and, and their heart rate is going up in the auction. Oh, Oh, it's very entertaining. Very and entertaining. So is everyone else's that's sitting there. So that's kind of the point of it. You oh, know, my. Get people excited, get them moving, making faster decisions. So, yeah. I'll tell you what. It's a business. This is like mom and apple pie, isn't it? Auctioneering. <laughs> when did, is, when did they first start doing these auctions with these professional callers that know this cadence routine? Because you've got to know what you're doing in order to do it. How long has that been going on in America, if you know? Um, I do know, and unfortunately, it's kind of a sad history. Um, the, the first auctioneers um, were prevalent in the slave trade. Oh, so, oh you know, I never yeah. thought about that. Yeah. Oh. So it's been around forever. Every state is different. North Carolina um, did not make it like a legal profession that was, you know, had a licensure until 1972. Um, but it's been around much much longer than that. Um, not super proud of the history of where it came from, but yeah, that's, that's well, you know, a lot is, I guess that's why a lot of these good old boy statues are being torn down. The people have had enough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my, oh my. Ladies and gentlemen, we are out of time. Amanda G is our guest and that's the way I'm going to pronounce her name because I'm not going to screw it up. It's Italian. That's all I'm going to say. You can find her once again, Amanda. If somebody say, I heard Amanda on the podcast, I would like to get a hold of her. What are they going to do, Amanda? They can reach out to me at liquidationlifeguards.com, especially if they're not in the Raleigh, North Carolina market. If you are in the Raleigh, North Carolina market and you need our services, you can find us at gc5auctions.com. There we go. Wow. Well, boys, it's been a wonderful time to have you on there on the show today. Boys, I'm talking to you, Amanda. Exactly. (laughs) I didn't make that up. That's your own profession doing that to you. Boys, what do you think about that? You'll go with it. It's show business, right? It's part of it. You're not you're not gonna change it. Right. You're not yeah, you're not. Can you teach the old dog a new trick? 
Yeah, that's debatable. That's deba- isn't that the truth? That, that depends on how much he loves the trick. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's true or false. It's show business in the auctioneering profession. It's putting on a show to an audience. True, very much true. Oh, very much true. Oh, for heaven's sake. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Rick Flynn speaking. It's been fun, but I've got to run in the auctioneering business. I don't care what venue of show business you're in. You're in show business if you're a good auctioneer. I've got a third generation auctioneer here, which is the, uh, not the yes man. What's that called again? The ring man. The ring man. I've got a ring man here, ladies and gentlemen. Third generation in the auctioneer. She's the ring man, so to speak, where everybody's boys, no matter what gender you were born. I kind of like it. It's show business. There's good and bad aspects to it, but it's a fun hobby. At least you can go. You can put down your credentials. You can show up at the auction. And if the business is legit, you can get some depression glass, some furniture, and items which are going to be difficult to get any other way. So with that in mind, just have a good time at the auction. We hope you've learned something. On behalf of myself and our guest today, Amanda G., we just want to say thank you. Have a good week. New shows every Wednesday. We'll see you then. Good night. Rick, I've enjoyed being on your show. I hope your audience finds a new treasure at their local auction company. The preceding was a Rick Flynn production. This is your announcer, Chantal Marie speaking.